Good morning. Let's pray one more time before we begin. Our Father, uh, we do come to praise you. Uh, Lord, we do come to adore you. We come to worship you because you alone are the great and magnificent God. And Lord, we are privileged people to be able to worship you. Lord, we rejoice in all that you have done for us, all that you have given us, all that you will do for us. Lord, we thank you for all of this. Lord, you've given us each another year before us here. Lord, uh, we are totally undeserving of that. But Lord, we trust you that you will work through us in this coming year. That you will minister through us. That you will use this church here to be a blessing in this community as we hold forth Christ. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives individually the things that you are teaching us, the things that you are doing in us, the sin that you are convicting, the way that you are drawing us close to you, that you are conforming us to your image and is making us more like Christ. Lord, we just commit the time to you this morning. Lord, as we look into your word, we just ask that your spirit would do its work. We pray that each one of us here would be open to hear from you. That we would welcome what you are saying to us. Lord, that we would respond affirmatively to whatever you're saying to us. Lord, we thank you uh, for your blessings again and for the privilege of gathering together this day. And we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you today and have the opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, This is an unusual day in that it's the first Sunday of the new year. And I don't know about you, uh, but maybe you are the kind of people that makes uh, New Year's resolutions. Uh, Perhaps that you have already made those resolutions. As you began the year, you looked at your situation and thought, well, there's some things that I think I would like to do in this coming year that I'm not doing now or that I should be doing, and I'm going to make a New Year's resolution to do it. Now, a lot of people do those. Alice and I, we're we're not those kinds of people. We don't uh, make New Year's resolutions, but a lot of people do. Uh, Well, Not counting last year. Last year was obviously an aberration in a lot of different ways. But in a normal year, normal year, uh, fitness clubs and gyms and that sort of thing, their biggest month of the year is January. Now, you can understand why. Uh, People begin the new year and they think to themselves, I'm going to sign up for a gym or a fitness club or I'm going to do an exercise program. I need to lose a little bit of weight or I need to get in better physical condition. And they'll sign up for for those things. And uh, as I said, usually the busiest day of the year or busiest month of the year for those types of organizations. 
Now, why do we do that? Why do we make uh, New Year's resolutions? Why do we consider doing those kinds of things? And I think it's because we see within ourselves uh, the need to change, that, that something within us needs to change. Now, that's not unusual because the, the world that we live in, what, is constantly in change. That just is the nature of who we are. And the world that we live in is just constantly changing. Now, this was, <clears throat> I remembered this from a few months ago. Well, this was October. We were still back in Michigan. And I got a text from Wade. And uh, Wade was asking, you know, when are you guys going to be coming down? And in the course of his text at the end, he said, I think you'll be surprised to see how much the boys have changed since you were here last. And in six months time, yes, little children change a lot. And the boys were, yes, they were different. They were taller. They were bigger. They were all of those things that we expect small children to be and do. But we get used to that. I mean, we're used to a world that is constantly changing. Everything around us is changing, always. We are, are changing. We're all getting older. We're all changing physically in some different ways. Um, even the, the things that we see around us, all of those are changing. Now, we have a few trees in our yard and they changed in this last year. Now, how much, I couldn't tell you. They looked the same to me. I mean, it, when you've got a tree that's this big and it moves this big, it's going to be hard to see. But if I measured it and then came back next year and measured it again, I would find that it had grown. Everything around us is changing and we're used to that. We've become familiar with that. And we recognize sometimes that there's a need within us to physically change, maybe mentally change, emotionally, intellectually. There's something within us that needs to be different, needs to be better, needs to be improved. Now, the pastor that I had uh, years ago that led me to Christ and was my pastor for a number of years, very godly man, he, he gave me a piece of advice. And this was, I came to faith when I was 22, so I was, I was older. And he said to me, Dick, always be a learner. Always be a learner. Now, he was talking specifically about the scriptures. He was talking specifically about spiritual things, that we should always be learners. And I think those of us here that are older, we can tell you that, that you, you don't arrive, you don't suddenly get to a, a certain age and then magically it's, a, it's okay. And you, you know everything and, and whatever, that's not possible. We are always going to be learners. And we always should be learners. Now, a word of advice here to the boys and girls and teenagers or to whoever is in school currently at this point. Now, I understand school at times can be boring, you know, uh, 
Math was always my favorite subject in school. English was not my favorite subject in school. I endured English to get to the math class. You know, that was the fun thing. <clears throat> but sometimes, you know, school can kind of be boring. But please don't ever say to yourself, I'll be glad when school is finally done so I don't have to study anymore. Please don't ever say that. Look at school as preparation. School is going to be preparation for the rest of your life. Be a learner. Always be learning. Always be growing. Now, as I said, my pastor mentioned that to me in a spiritual sense, to always be a learner. And I'm going to encourage all of you in that way as well, spiritually. Uh, Jim usually says something about this. He hadn't, at least I don't recall him saying it this year yet. But I would encourage you, if you don't have a regular Bible reading program where you're going through the Bible, reading a portion of the Bible every day, I would encourage you to do that. That would be a tremendous New Year's resolution. That would be a good thing uh, for you to be doing. Now, again, being the math person that I am, uh, I can tell you there's about 1,200 chapters in the Bible. And if you divide that by 365, it works out to three point something or other. So roughly about three chapters a day, you can read through the Bible. Three chapters is not very long. Depending on how fast a reader you are, you could probably get that through in about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. I, I would encourage you to do that. that. That is a good thing to be doing. That is a, a way of getting to know God's word, getting to know God, and growing yourself spiritually. You cannot but read God's word and it changes you. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. If we will be reading that Word, we will be growing. God, God will use that Word to convict us and to help us to grow in our faith. So I would encourage you this morning, if you've made a New Year's resolution, please you know, follow through on that. That's always a good thing to do. That's always a good thing to be improving ourselves, to be doing things that will benefit us and again, I would encourage you specifically to think about a Bible reading program, something that you can be doing every day. As I was thinking about what to th preach on today and thinking about this being the first of the year and thinking about New Year's resolutions and thinking about change, I thought it might be good to look at the fact that we have a God that doesn't change, that our God is unchanging. And while we live in a world that is changing, we have a God that is unchanging. <clears throat> now, basically, my sermon is going to fall into two parts today. I'm going to, the first part we're going to look at is, is it true? Is God unchanging? And I'm going to try to address that. And as you, I hate to give away the ending, but you probably have already guessed the answer to that is going to be yes. I'm going to say, tell you that up front that God is unchanging. But then the second part of the sermon uh, is going to be, what, what does that mean to us? How, how does that affect us? Uh, what difference does it make that God is unchanging? Now, <clears throat> this is a, a little bit different for me. 
this is, as it obviously appears here, I'm going to be doing more of a topical uh, message here, and I'm not used to doing that. Usually I'm used to taking a portion of Scripture and going through it and, and preaching through that. So this is a little bit different to me. And I told Alice, this is going to be kind of strange to stand up here and not tell you to open to a portion of Scripture to look at. Now, I will be looking at different portions of Scripture as we go through this time together. And I did have Chris put a Scripture reference in the bulletin there. And that was Hebrews 13. And it's the verse that we're very familiar with, what Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, God is unchanging. And he makes that clear to us. Okay. How do we know that God is unchanging? Well, let's look at why, why do we change. I've already talked about that a little bit. Uh, we'll look at our life, if we're honest with ourselves. We look at our lives and we say, okay, there's, there's some things that I need to change. Uh, there's some things that I need to do differently. Maybe, again, I, I do need to get involved in some kind of exercise program or I need to get involved in some type of reading program or I need to study more. I, there's something that I need to do. We, need, we look at ourselves and we say, there's something within us that tells us that we need to change. God doesn't need to change. God, God is not lacking in any of those things. Does God need to go on some type of physical fitness program? He, he is all-powerful. All we have to do is look around us. He, he created this world that we're in. If you want to get an idea of the magnitude of his power and his strength, uh, go out some evening when there's not clouds in the sky and look up at the stars, which is only a fraction of what's out there. Our God made all of that. Uh, he's certainly not lacking in power. He's, he's not. How about knowledge? Is there anything that God, we need to tell God? Is there anything that God needs to know? Is there anything he needs to learn? Well, no. He, he's all-knowing. He knows absolutely everything. Because, again, he created all of this. He knows what all of us are doing. He knows what all of us are thinking. He knows what he, he knows what's every, going on in the world, everywhere. Now you you think about again the magnitude of space, the number of trillions and trillions of stars that are out there. God knows what's going on in every one of them, everyone. God knows what's going on in everywhere in this world. Our God, there isn't anything that our God doesn't know. Uh, he, is, he is perfect. There isn't anything about him that needs to change. There isn't anything of him that needs to grow or to be different. Also, he's not like us in that he's not affected by external forces. Now, what I mean by that is, let's say tomorrow or sometime this week, you're on your way to work or you're on the way to school or to the store or someplace that you normally go. 
and you're looking up ahead on the road, and all of a sudden you see a bunch of cars backed up on the street. Oh, there's a traffic jam up there. Now, if, it, if you see it early enough, what do you do? You turn off on some other street because you know there's a way to get around and get where you need to go and avoid that. Now, there was external forces that came into being that caused us to make a change. Uh, we didn't have any control over the traffic. Uh, we didn't have any control over those conditions. And, but those conditions caused us to make a change, caused us to do something different. Now, that's in a small sense, but in a, in a bigger sense, I don't know what this year holds for all of you, but it's possible that you might get called into the boss's office uh, sometime this coming year and be told, you know, that the company is not doing quite so well and we're going to have to lay off some people we're, and we're going to have to let you go. I'm sorry, your, your job is done. That's going to cause a lot of change. All of a sudden, things are going to be very different. Uh, all of a sudden, things are, are going to, you're going to have to be doing things that you weren't expecting to do. Unfortunately, too, as we've certainly experienced in this past year and a half or so, uh, illness can play a, a cause, too, in our lives, uh, that we've been affected by illness. I, I think all of us either have been affected personally by COVID or know if somebody's been affected by COVID and how it's changed them, how they've had to you know, stay home from work, away from people, stay home from school, there are things that happen to us from outside of our control that cause us to make change. Does, does that happen to God? No. No. Again, He is all-powerful. There isn't anything bigger than He is. There isn't anything stronger than He is. There isn't anything with more knowledge than He has. So there isn't anything from outside of him that's going to affect him, that's going to cause him to make any kind of a change. Now, I don't think this is true of anybody here in, in this church, and, and I don't, I'm trying to think if I knew of somebody personally like this, I don't think I have ever met someone, but I, I know that this type of Christian, well, I'm going to put Christian in quotation marks, exists, and I would say they have a poor God. By that I mean their God. Satan goes off and he does something over here. And poor God, he has to run over here and fix that problem. And, and while he's fixing that problem, Satan goes over here and he stirs up something else. And poor God, he has to run over here and then fix that. That, that is as close to heresy as you're ever going to get. That is an absolute lie about God. God knows exactly what's going on. He is not surprised by anything. He knows exactly what Satan is doing. If anything, that situation is reversed. Satan is reacting to what God is doing. Our God is all-powerful. He is almighty. He is all-knowing. He is not affected by forces outside of himself. 
Now, obviously, uh, the part I haven't gotten to yet, which I'm sure you're waiting for, is, yes, the, we know that God is unchanging because he tells us that. Uh, in addition to all the other things that I've said about God, one of the things that is an attribute of God also is God communicates. God speaks to us, and he has spoken to us. He is a God that communicates, and he has given us his word. Let me just give you some references from uh, Scripture that talk about God's unchanging nature. Psalm 102, uh, 25 to 27. Of old you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment. You will, <clears throat> you will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. The world that we see here is passing away. And that's what Psalm says. It's, it's eventually going to be gone. Now, we believe that that time is coming when the Lord returns and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and this, what we see, will, will be gone. But even the secular scientists would agree with this. This, this world that we're in, it, it is passing away. Now, it's not going to be next week, so don't worry about that. But in a hundred million years or so, our sun is going to burn out. It'll be gone. And everything around us here will be gone with it. This, this world is passing away, but God will remain. He will always be here. Hebrews 6, 17 to 18. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. God's character is unchangeable. Uh, he, has, again, has no reason to change. His desires, what he desires, he, he will do. So nothing about him needs to change. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not fulfill it? God, if God says he's going to do something, he, he will do it. And again, who can stop him from doing it? If he says that he will accomplish something, he will accomplish it. Malachi 3.6 For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Judah, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. I do not change, God says. There's nothing within me that's going to change. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is just not going to change. 
Psalm 33:11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. He's not going to change his mind from one generation to the next. Hebrews 13:8, which is again I've already quoted, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God has told us that he does not change. Now, in addition to those scripture verses that I gave there, we have to look back at also in the Old Testament, God did some significant things with the children of Israel. He made some promises to them, what we call covenants, which is basically just an agreement. If you've ever taken out a mortgage on your house or borrowed money to buy a car or if you have a credit card, you've entered into a covenant. You've entered into an agreement. Uh, You have agreed to pay them back and they've agreed to give you some money. And God entered into some covenants in the Old Testament. It started with Adam. He, He entered into a covenant with Adam. He entered into a covenant with Abraham, with David, uh, somebody I'm forgetting, Noah. He forget, entered into covenants with all of them, agreements that God said, you are to do something and I am going to do something. And God always fulfilled that covenant. God always did his part in what he said he was going to do. God does not change. Now, I've also argued that God doesn't change because of his nature. He can't change because of who he is. That that would be impossible for God to change because of who he is. Now, let me give you an illustration here. This is a very simple illustration of what I'm, I'm trying to talk about. Suppose I had a a cage up here, and in this cage I had a duck. And I went down, I picked one of you here in the congregation, and I took this cage and this duck down to you, and I set it before you, and I said to you, please change this duck into an elephant. Now, your reaction would be, you're nuts. You know, you cannot change a duck into an elephant. Now, I recognize in cartoons and animation and that sort of thing that all takes place. But in real life, that doesn't take place. You, you cannot change a duck into an elephant. Because by its very nature, it is a duck. If it quacks like a duck, if it's yellow like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, it's a duck. You cannot change it. You cannot tell it, okay, become an elephant. It can't do that because it's a duck. Now, in the same way, God cannot change because of who he is by his very Nature, he cannot change because of who he is. Now, it's been said, when we think about God, we have to understand that God is 
other. God is other. By that I mean, over here we have, we have the world that we live in. This, this is all of it here. This is all the physical world that we can see, the universe, everything in it, all knowledge, all people, everything is, is over here. And then over here we have God. God is not this. God made this. But God is not this. God, God is other. God is something entirely different. Now, <clears throat> I had a, Alice and I both had a pastor here uh, not too many years ago that we respected quite a bit. Very godly man. Very, he knew the scriptures very, very well. And occasionally he'd start talking about these kinds of things, talking about God and who God is. And his favorite uh, phrase was, we are now treading on the verge of the ineffable. We are treading on the verge of the ineffable. Now, if you're wondering what ineffable is, you sang about it this morning. We, t- we sang about his what? Ineffable love. Now, I must admit that when Dan first used that phrase, I had to go home and look up ineffable because I, I thought, what in the world is he talking about? So I'll save you from having to look it up. Uh, ineffable means it, it can't be described in words. It's, it's indescribable. Indescribable in the sense that it's glorious and maj- majestic. It is, it is beyond our comprehension. It is beyond our knowledge. So in a certain sense, for somebody like me to get up here and start talking about God, is, <clears throat> you know, who am I to tell you that? I, I can't, in a certain sense, explain that. Because God is what? He is other. I, I can only talk in terms here. I can only talk in concepts here. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, but, but God tells us about himself. He does. In his word, he does give us some indication of what he is like. And we can know those things. Those things we can know. But to really know who God is, is really ineffable. It is, it is beyond our comprehension. It is beyond how we can describe it. Because that is, that is, that is God. Now, I, when I was thinking about that, I thought about 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And in the ESV that I use, it says, we see in a mirror dimly. I like the old King James. It says, we look through a glass darkly. I think that's, that's something of what when we're trying to see God and trying to understand who he is, we are looking through a glass darkly. God has told us some things about himself. He has given us some idea of who he is and what he's like. But we're still looking at him through a glass darkly. This, I think, makes more sense when you read 1 John 3, 2. And it says that, that John is telling us that someday we will see him face to face. And what? We shall see him 
as he is. Because we will be like him. We will be able to see him as he is. At some point, we're going to get transferred out of this world here that that we're in, and we're going to be able to be in the world that God is in. And we're going to be able to have a better under idea, better understanding of who God is. Now we're looking through a glass darkly or dimly, but then we will see him face to face because we'll see him as he is. In all his glory and his majesty, But part of the difficulty that we face is that we as finite people are trying to understand the infinite. We we are trying to comprehend something that is incomprehensible to us. We are trying to see something that is really beyond us. So when I'm talking about God and I'm talking about the God that is unchanging, I I hope you get a grasp on who that God is. I think for myself and maybe for you, quite too often, my God is too small. We need to see God in all of his majesty, all of his glory, all of his greatness. That is God. Now, a number of years ago, uh, had an opportunity to stop and visit uh, the Grand Canyon. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. Uh, I would encourage you, if you ever have the opportunity, it's beautiful. Everything you read about it is true. Uh, it is just absolutely fantastic. Now, unfortunately, uh, I was on a timetable when we were there and could only spend literally just a few minutes there looking around. <laughs> yeah, I like, would like to go back, it's on my bucket list to go back sometime, spend a little more time there. But a number of years later, I read an account about the Grand Canyon written by a, um, a ranger, park ranger, there at the Grand Canyon. He'd been a ranger there for a number of years. And he gave this account. He said, he said, this happens on a daily basis. He said, it happens all the time. He said, he's, he'll see a group of people coming up to the rim of the canyon, a family or a tourist group or something like that. And they're laughing and they're joking and that sort of thing, talking. And he said, then they get up to the rim of the canyon and then silence. Silence. Everybody stops talking. Nobody's talking. Nobody's joking. Why? Because if you've ever been there, your brain just goes on overload. I mean, your eyes are doing this. I mean, you're you're moving your head around, looking here and there and everywhere. And it's, you know, you're trying to take it all in and your mind is saying, whoa, wait a minute, there's too much here. There's, there's no room or place to talk because what you're seeing literally fills you with awe. It is awesome. Now, I'm afraid that that word in our language has gotten misused and overused. And I hate to tell you this, but the Christmas gift that you got was not awesome. It, it was not. It, it, 
it would not fill me with awe. I am sorry. That is not true. But something like the Grand Canyon fills you with awe. Now, I remember the first time flying to Japan and flying over the Pacific. And the, from Detroit to Tokyo is 12, 13 hours in a plane, which to me is cruel and unusual punishment. Sorry, Randy. But you, you fly over the United States for about four hours, and then you're over the Pacific for the rest of the time. And I remember thinking to myself, this thing is really big. I mean, this plane is, what, going four or five hundred miles per hour? And it's seven, eight hours to get across this thing? And it's, it's huge. It, it fills you with awe when you look at it. How do we see God over here? Does, do, do we, are we filled with awe when we approach him? Now, I understand that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and all of that too, but our God should fill us with a sense of awe. This God is an unchanging God. He is magnificent and glorious and holy and righteous this is the God that we serve. Okay. Hopefully you're convinced that God is an unchanging God. How does that affect us? Uh, what, what difference does it make? How, if God's unchanging, so what? Uh, how, how are we affected by that? Well, first of all, uh, I would say because... His promises are sure. The promises he makes to us are sure. Uh, earlier I talked about the various covenants uh, that God had made uh, with Adam and Abraham and David and Noah. But there's an interesting covenant that God makes in Jeremiah 31. And it's Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34. And God says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after, the, after these days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now this was the covenant that God was planning to make that was fulfilled in Christ. 
This is the covenant that you and I are taking advantage of right now. If you're a follower of Christ, if you have confessed your sins and Jesus Christ is your Lord and you're seeking His will to hear His voice and follow Him, you are and I are the beneficiary of that covenant. God said, I will do certain things for them. I will write my law on their hearts. Now, before this time, the Jews had the law written out. It, it was there for them to read. They, they could read this law. But we have this law written on our hearts. We know this law. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit of God within us. God has put His Holy Spirit in us to teach us His law. We can know His law. It's written on our hearts. He says, I will be their God and I will be their God and they shall be my people. What a tremendous thing. That God is looking down at you and me and He says, They are my people. I'm going to be their God. And we can come to that God, that that great and magnificent and glorious God. He looks at us. We are his people. They shall know me. Again, here I thought about what Jesus said when he was here on the earth. And Jesus was talking about what being a good shepherd. And what did he say about the sheep? They will know my voice. They, when I speak, they will know it. Now that was true for all of us at the time that we came to Christ. There was a voice that was speaking to us. There God was working in our hearts, convicting us of sin. And there was a voice and we knew that voice. That had to be the voice of God. And God convicted our hearts. We confessed our sins and turned to him. And we still hear that voice. That voice still speaks to us. Again, as I said at the very beginning, if you're reading through God's Word on a regular basis, that He is speaking to us. He is speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He is saying to us everything that we need to know and to hear. Our sins are forgiven. Oh, what a great blessing that is, to know that our sins have been forgiven. That we know that when we stand before that righteous and holy God, that He doesn't see our sins. He is looking at the blood of Christ and He sees that blood instead of our sins and He welcomes us with open arms. Our, Our sins are forgiven. There are many other promises in the scriptures, and I would encourage you if you have, if there's a time that you're discouraged, if you're down, if things are, are not going well, go through the scripture and look at the promises that, that God has made to us. There's some tremendous encouragement there. He will never fail us. Now, I think for those of us, again, that are older, uh, we probably all had an experience at some time or other of somebody failing us, somebody that we depended on, somebody we thought would come through for us, and and they didn't for whatever reason. 
maybe again there was some external force that caused them that they couldn't do whatever it was we thought they would, would could do for us. Or, but maybe they just decided not to. And they failed us. And we were depending on them. God will never fail us. He is always there for us. And the question then becomes, wait a minute, Dick. I've gone through some difficult times. I've gone through some heartaches. I've gone through some trials. You know, I've gone through sickness or I have loved ones that have gone through sickness and death. And, you know, I've experienced some pain in, in, in life. What do you mean God is never going to fail me? Well, first of all, we have to remember that God has never said that we wouldn't have those things. He has, he has never said that we're going to have a pain-free life. He's never said that he, we're not going to have some heartaches or difficulties or trials. He's, he has never said that. What he has said, though, is that he would be with us. He would undertake for us. He would care for us. He would provide for us. He would meet our needs. He, he would be there at those times that we needed him. Plus, he has always said, I am working all things together for your good. Now, we may not consider God's good <laughs> what we would think is good, but God is working all things together for our good. He will never fail us. His love will never change. Uh, and again, I think for some of us here, I, I don't know, I would think certainly in a group this size, there's probably most of us have either experienced a divorce or we know of somebody that's gone through a divorce and we know the heartache uh, that goes with that. And we've known of people that have said that they would love us, you know, until death do us part and it didn't last that long. No. He knows us perfectly well. Now, I think the problem, I don't want to discourage any of the young people here, especially those that maybe are getting close to a marriageable age and thinking about getting married. Uh, but just to give you a word of warning, uh, the uh, young man or the young woman that you're interested in marrying uh, is probably not going to be the person that you marry. Uh, they're going to be a little bit different. You'll, you'll find that out after you're married. Uh, but that's, you know, I think every couple here, I'm looking around, most of the couples are smiling just going, yep. And that can be good and bad. You know, there's some, sometimes there's pleasant surprises there, sometimes there's other kinds of surprises. But how, how did God love us? God loved us while we were still in our sin. God loved us when we were still unlovely. God loved us when... We, even though he knew the worst about us, he still loved us. There's, there, again, there's not going to be any surprise with God. God isn't going to extend his love to you or me and say, oh, wait a minute, man, I, I made a mistake here. I, I didn't realize you, what you were like or who you were. God is never going to do that. His love is always going to be there. Jeremiah, again, 31, this time verse 3. Thus says the Lord, 
The people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. God's love will never fail us. God's love will always be there for us. Another thing we can depend upon with God, the unchanging God, is you always know where you stand with God. God is not fickle. Uh, Having been involved in missions for most of my life, uh, it's always been interesting to me to talk to missionaries, especially missionaries uh, in unusual cultures and unusual situations, and to hear their testimony and hear about the work that they were doing in those various places. And also to hear about the gods of the people that they're ministering to. And quite often, uh, you know, I haven't, I'm not an anthropologist and I haven't checked on every religion in the world, but I would say a significant number of those religions, the god of that religion, you can't depend on him. Uh, He is fickle. I mean, you can make sacrifices to him. You can do whatever that you think will appease him. And you can't always be sure of the response. You can't always be sure that what you're doing is sufficient. uh, If you're dealing with um, a Muslim person, uh, ask them about their God and how, how can they know that they're going to go to heaven. They don't know. They, they don't know. It all depends on Allah. It all depends. You know, some, you know, after I die, I'll stand before Allah and maybe I'll get in, maybe I won't. It depends on Allah's mood that day, I guess. You know, some gods are very fickle. Our, our God is not. We can depend upon him. We know where we stand with him. We know exactly how he is. Uh, in the Sunday school class that Jeff was teaching here a couple weeks ago, he gave a quote. Uh, by the way, that would be another good New Year's resolution for you. Sunday school is at 9.30. I would encourage all of you to come. Uh, again, why wouldn't you want to come? Why, why wouldn't you want to grow in your knowledge of God? Why wouldn't you want to grow in your knowledge of the Word? I can say that Jim would get into trouble for saying that, but like Adam said, you're all here for the long haul. So I would encourage you, come uh, 9.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, Anyway, Jeff gave this quote. It's from John Calvin. We would certainly find ourselves in a miserable condition if we had to again be afraid all of the time that God's grace could all of a sudden not be there for us anymore. That would be a terrible condition to be in if we were afraid all of the time that God's grace would not be there. We can depend upon the fact that God's grace will always be there. Again, he is completely dependable. I've mentioned most of this already. He's working for our good. Second Samuel 23, 5. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. 
For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? Will he not do that? And again, the response from Romans, from Paul is, yes, God will work all things together for my good. Now, at this point, I should probably also mention one other thing about God. I've mentioned it, I guess, a couple, three times already. Uh, but this, this is a warning, I guess. Um, and I, again, I'm assuming that the overwhelming number of people here are Christians, that you've, you've already confessed your sins and turned to Christ. But perhaps there's, there are some people here that, that are not Christians. You, you haven't done that yet. God hasn't moved in your heart to follow him. I need to give you a warning. Because the other thing about God that's unchanging is his holiness. Now, if you're hoping that, you know, well, maybe when I die, God will say, oh, okay, it's all right. You can come on into heaven. That, that's not going to happen. It won't happen. That would be a violation of God's nature. That would be a violation of who he is. He can't change. So we're dealing with God's holiness. You're on very dangerous ground. Because we're all sinners. We've all turned away from from God. And God's condemnation is upon us. And that condemnation is just as sure as all those other promises that I talked about. So if you're not a follower of Christ, as the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. If, if God is speaking to your heart today, make today be the day. Say yes to God. Quit, quit fighting the battle. I remember, again, as a young man, sitting in the pew, and the preacher talked about things like this, and there were times I literally grabbed the pew in front of me because the conviction was so strong. I thought, nope, I'm not going forward. I'm, you know, That was the kind of church we were in. And I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. If God is speaking to you, Say yes. You're dealing with an unchanging holy God. The consequences of your sin are enormous. Now, we, we have a great and glorious God. And I don't know what this coming year is going to be like. I'm, I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. I, I have no idea what lies ahead. I don't know whether this is going to be an absolutely wonderful year or this is going to be a year filled with conflict and heartache and whatever. I have no idea. And neither does anybody else. You know, this is the time of year you read all these predictions for the coming year, throw them in the trash can. They don't have the idea. And I think it's probably going to be a combination I think for some of us, this will be a wonderful year. Uh, this might be the year that you, you, know, you graduate from high school or college, that you get married, you get that first real job. There's an addition to your family. Uh, 
all these wonderful things that may happen, that, that could happen to you in this coming year. And you look back at 2022 and say, that was just a great year. And for some of us here, this, this may not be a good year. There may be illness, there may be job loss, there may be other things that take place in this coming year, and it may be a year of difficulty. And we might look back at 2022 and say, boy, that was a, that was a tough year. But the thing that we can depend on, again, is an unchanging God. In a changing world, our God does not change. We can look to him. We can trust in his promises. He is in control. You know, in a certain sense, I don't care what Putin is doing. I don't care what's going on in China. I don't care what Trump is doing. I don't care. God is in control. If 2022 is going to go exactly as God planned it to go. We need to trust him for that. We can depend upon him and look to him. And I pray that it would be a good year for each one of you. But I pray that it would be a year, too, that you would catch a new glimpse of God. You would see him in all of his majesty and glory. See him as that unchanging God that you can depend upon. But let's pray. Father, we come to you, the unchanging God. Just as millions of people have come to you over thousands of years. Lord, you love us. It's just amazing to us to recognize that. Lord, we thank you for that great love. And Lord, I do pray for each and every person here. I pray that this would be a year when they would get to know you better, and that they would grow in their faith, grow in their love for you, that they would see you in all of your majesty and glory. Lord, that we as a people would be a testimony for you of that great grace. That when people ask us about our God, our God, he's, he's ineffable. He's beyond our description. He's beyond our imagination and all of your glory and majesty and goodness. Lord, thank you for the time that we've had together this morning. Thank you that you are at work in our lives. Thank you you do hear and answer our prayers. We rejoice in all of that and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Wade is going to come and...